This is Jaden McKissie, and you're listening to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty Pod with your host, Bishop. Trust the process. He's a genius. Hello, and welcome to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty League Pod. Today, I have kind of a fun little thought exercise I'd like to share with you, and I'd like you to participate with me. We are going to redraft the 2020 rookie draft, knowing, uh, knowing, pretending we knew then what we know now. So we're going to be redoing the picks based on what we've already seen. Now, a couple of caveats I want to make here. First, we're only five games into a lot of these players' first year. That means there's a lot of variants that could still show. We could still have uh, breakouts, especially among the wide receiver position, as, in fact, we've seen historically that 77% of breakouts happen in the second or third year of an NFL wide receiver's career. Likewise, a lot of running backs went into situations that they didn't have the backfield immediately. And perhaps down the road, they'll win the backfield and we could change our conversation yet again. But we're just going to go off what we have seen already. And we're going to redraft the first round of this year's 2020 rookie draft. Now, I'm going to ask for your opinions and your takes at the end of this. Please feel free to jump on the league chat and share what you think. Because I'd really like this to be a dialogue. Us to just consider what we've seen already. Uh, first of all, I think it's amazing the way we've we've seen wide receivers breaking each other's rookie records at their setting. We have quarterbacks who are breaking records. We have running backs who have successfully proven uh, target shares unlike anything we've ever seen. This has been an incredible rookie class, and it's even made more incredible by the fact that they didn't have a preseason to work with. A lot of these players are acclimatizing to systems as they play, and five weeks in, they're already bona fide stars. So let's unpack what we did in the rookie draft, and let's talk about what we would have done had we known then what we know now. We're going to try to keep this podcast relatively short uh, to encourage us to listen to it all and then break it down and have dialogue at the end of it. Let's start by reviewing where what we did in our NFL draft. The picks in order went like this. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Keyshawn Vaughn, C.D. Lamb, and Jerry Judy. C.E.H., J.T., Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Keyshawn Vaughn, C.D. Lamb, and Jerry Judy. What's incredible is despite the fact that we had one of the most uh, robust and generational wide receiver classes, we still went running back heavy for the first six picks. And though many of them have proven that they have the potential to break out, CEH, Jonathan Taylor, a lot of these running backs have been very disappointing. We have Cam Akers, who can't win a starting job over Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson. We have J.K. Dobbins, who can't even beat out Gus Edwards for the second string spot. And DeAndre Swift, who's buried behind a variety of other running backs. And Keyshawn Vaughn, who is an incredible special teamers. But right now, that's all his role really is. And we don't have our first wide receivers until the end of the first round and end of the second round. It's incredible. And though I think many running backs in this class have the potential to be something special, uh, Joshua Kelly, for instance, I think Antonio Gibson, CEH, and JT have the potential to be bona fide stars, a lot of these running backs have disappointed. So if we were going to redo the NFL draft, I think the first thing we would all agree on is that we have got to target some of these star wide receivers earlier than we did. So in order, I'd like to go through the first eight picks with you. What I would do, again, if I knew then what I knew now. I think the first overall pick in the 2020 rookie draft should have been C.D. Lamb. Now, I understand all the concerns that we had going in. I shared them. 
we had concerns about in that offense, is he going to have enough opportunity with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott uh, absorbing all of the targets? Can he fit in? We also have to remember that last year, the last four games, Dak Prescott was throwing at an alarmingly high rate. But before that, they were a run-heavy offense that wouldn't throw with very much consistency. How are we supposed to know then that now Dak Prescott was going to come out before his injury and throw the ball about 41 and a half times a game? An unprecedented NFL um, consistency. One thing that is remarkable is despite all the talents and despite the volume, CeeDee Lamb has proven, proven to be an efficient and effective wide receiver. He's top 15 in targets. He ranks 12th in the position. Receptions, 9th. Receiving yards, he's 6th in the country. And in PPR, points per game, he's 11th. He has been a wide receiver one or two 60% of the time, putting him in the top 15 in consistency at the wide receiver position. He's top 15 in four of the most important categories and in consistency. And what's incredible about him is that he's done all of this with only a 14.9% market share. That means he's not even getting 15% of the Dax targets. But here's why. Here's what he's really doing in an incredible, uh, in an incredible clip. His deep ball uh, consistency has been remarkable. Over the middle of the field, he uh, in passes going 15 or more yards, he's eight for eight for 215 yards. 215 yards. Not only that, but on the deep right side of the field, 15 plus yards, he's two for two and 90 yards. He is an incredible deep threat every time he goes down the field. He's making contested catches at an 83% clip, which is the second best in all of the NFL. CeeDee Lamb has proven that not only does he have the raw speed to burn corners down the field, but on contested balls, he has the vertical and the strength to come down with the ball. Now, there are some areas of concern. For instance, the intermediate part of the field ranges uh, 5 to 14. He's not particularly consistent. Now, a lot of that is age. A lot of that is uh, the balls that were thrown to him. But part of it is, is that C.D. Lamb has already proven that he's afraid of the hit. He's not willing to come down with a contested catch if it means contact. Now, if him and another corner are going up for the ball, no problem. But over the middle, when he has a linebacker lurking, he tends to drop those balls. In fact, on intermediate passes, he uh, is four for seven when the ball is hitting him at the same time a linebacker is. To put numbers in comparison, uh, by perspective, Michael Gallup on the same team is six for seven in that category. Amari Cooper is eight for nine. So CeeDee Lamb is a little more hesitant to get hit. But despite all of that, he's a remarkable wide receiver doing so much with less than a 15% market share so far this season. He's proven that he can be the guy in Dallas. And though right now he's not on uh, cornerback ones, I think it won't be long before he finds himself on the outside starting lineup every single game. So C.D. Lamb, first overall, if we could redo this draft. Second, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, I had so many worries about. He was a slot receiver at LSU. And though the offense at LSU was phenomenal, I didn't know if it would translate well to the pros. He didn't have the size metrics that I was looking for, nor does he have the contested catch ability in college. But when he came into the pros, he's proven these last three or four weeks that he does have all of that and more. On 15, or 15 yards or more passes, he's, he's caught 9 of 10 of them for over, three, or for over 250 yards. In the intermediate passing game, he's only dropped one. And in the short yard passing game, he's not dropped any. 
Overall, he is 10 for 13 in contested catches. To put this in perspective, Rotoviz has a tool called the Screener Tool, and you can input their stats, and it shows similar wide receivers in the course of NFL history. If you look at his numbers in the contested catch, here are the wide receivers that he finds himself with. Anquan Bolden, A.J. Green, Amari Cooper, Marquise Colston, and ironically, C.D. Lamb. He has a higher contested catch rate than almost any other wide receiver in NFL history. Four of those guys are pro bowlers and the other one's a rookie. Justin Jefferson is doing things in contested catches that no one else has done. His route running has been masterful. In fact, with an 83% effectiveness, he is running routes against corners where he is able to get separation of at least 11 inches, 11 inches behind. That means that he is creating windows that are double in efficiency, meaning a quarterback can throw to a wider window and have a better uh, catch radius. This idea that Justin Jefferson is just a slot receiver is being proven wrong week after week as he is finding himself now on the outside across from Adam Thielen and finding tremendous success burning perimeter corners, a feat that not many people thought he could do. Not only that, but he has managed to carve out a 20% target share in that offense already, 20%. And though I think Adam Thielen will always have the majority of the market, let's keep an eye on Justin Jefferson as he continues to develop into the guy that we think he can be. So CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and let's go to our third overall pick, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. He is second in attempts so far this season and third in completions among all quarterbacks. Among all quarterbacks. In five games, he has four top 24 weeks and logs three top seven weeks. He is consistent. He is incredible. And he has command of that offense. Not only that, but he has more pass attempts than any other quarterback through the first five games ever. Cam Newton had 194. And Gardner, or Kyler Murray had 201. He has 207 right now, is breaking both of those records. He has thrown more touchdowns in five games than Andrew Luck did, than Robert Griffin did, than Deshaun Watson, than all of these other great rookie campaigns we've seen in the past. And not only that, but here's what's most incredible to me. He has proven to do it behind the worst rated offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. He's doing it all with nothing around him. A.J. Green is a shell of himself. He is creating T. Higgins into being a prospect out of necessity. On, I mean, we're looking at Tyler Boyd as the only legitimate target he has right now. And Joe Burrow is still logging these incredible numbers. We're not going to spend much time on him because I don't think there's much to talk about. He's a great quarterback, and he'll continue to develop into a greater quarterback. Number four, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He has managed to be elite. He's top 10 in attempts. He's seventh among running backs. Targets, he's fourth among running backs. Rushing yards, he's 10th among running backs. And receiving yards, he's fifth among running backs. And he's carved out a 14.4% target share in one of the most pass-heavy offenses with the most tools around him. But here's the problem with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been streaky to say the, the least, and he has no goal line work. He's coming off the field in goal lines because his efficiency is 1.3 yards a goal line carry. He has been terrible in that part of the field. Now, we knew that going in, he doesn't have the size of other uh, prospects. He doesn't have the strength of other prospects. But if he doesn't learn to rectify that, he's going to lose high-value fantasy opportunities to running backs like Darrell Williams. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has the potential to be Brian Westbrook, but he also has the potential to be Darren Sproles. 
And I think it's too early in his career to be able to see who he's going to be. Either way, he'll be effective for fantasy. But that's the difference between him being first overall and fifth or fourth. So far, we have CeeDee Lamb. We have Justin Jefferson. We have Joe Burrow. We have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Number five is Jonathan Taylor. He has managed to be a top 24 running back in the following categories. Rush yards, attempts, receiving yards, total touchdowns, PPR scoring, and points per game. He has managed to catch 12 of his first 13 NFL receptions, and he's averaging almost 10 yards a catch. He has a he shares a 70% physical score, meaning his combine score, his physique, with Nick Chubb, LaDainian Tomlinson, Ryan Matthews, Julius Jones, and Joseph Adai. All five of them have attended a Pro Bowl. And he is everything you want in a running back. His size, his speed, his versatility, his cone score, his agility, his freak score, all of them are in the top 10 percentile ever. He is a freak, and he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. So far this season, the coaches in uh, Indianapolis have chosen to withhold him a little bit. But it's clear why. They believe they're going to make a playoff push, and they want him to be healthy later in the season. So, they're holding him back. Jordan Wilkins is getting handoffs. Uh, Marlon Mack, before his injury, was getting handoffs. Even Naheem Hines is getting handoffs in the running game. But that won't last. Jonathan Taylor is the future. He already has carved out a 9.3% target share over Naheem Hines. And the more versatile he becomes, the more he gets involved in the receiving work, the more we'll see him continually run away with that backfield. Jonathan Taylor is the running back of the future there. Number six, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, what an incredible story, right? Coming in with no prep time against some of the best uh, quarterbacks. We have Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes he's gone up against. And every time he's, he's been poised and ready for the moment. He's only started four games and has never finished outside the top 24. He's never not been a quarterback one or two, but has managed to end in the top seven twice. He is a top 10 quarterback when it comes to quarterback rating through his first four games. Among all quarterbacks, he's ninth in quarterback rating. And he's ninth in touchdown passes, despite his week one absence. He has been incredible. His deep ball management has been remarkable. He has made throws that no quarterback outside of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can make with his arm strength. And so as we're looking at the the rise of Justin Herbert, I think it's clear to say that many people are sleeping on him. He's a proven commodity at this point, and and I think his future is very, very bright. You know, what's interesting is among his uh, first four starts, he's been able to do things that no other quarterback has. For instance, one thing that I find interesting is that based on his athletic profile, And based on his arm strength, the quarterbacks that he finds himself aligned with, E.J. Manuel, Josh Allen, Kelly Bryant, and Andrew Luck. But among all four of them, he has a higher QBR and more passing touchdowns through five games than all of them. He has a higher completion percentage than all of them. And he is averaging less time in the pocket than all of them, meaning his offensive line is not protecting him. Justin Herbert's an interesting prospect, and I think he deserves to be in the first round. Sixth overall. Seventh overall, LaVisca Chenault. Now, I know, I know I'm a homer, and I know I have a deep love for LaVisca Chenault, but hear me out. According to Rotoviz's sim score, he is one of only two wide receivers to score 100%. Him and Calvin Johnson. That's it. 
He is a freak athlete. His production in college was remarkable. And going into the draft, he would have been a first-round wide receiver had it not been for a lingering injury that people were afraid of. But so far, he has proven that those injury concerns are behind him. Now, he doesn't have as many fantasy points as some other wide receivers like Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb. But he is accounting for 32% of all of his team's fantasy points in the passing game, despite the fact that he's not getting very many targets. He's doing it on 15% target share. That's it. And he's only averaged 61% of the snap count so far this season. Now, last week, he had 70% of the snaps, which is a remarkable task, and I think it's proving that he's getting into the starting lineup. But what he's been able to do with the opportunities given to him have been remarkable. He is consistently breaking plays. He has been used in the running game, averaging 9.3 yards a rush. He has been used in the passing game, averaging one broken tackle. He is he is everything you're looking for, a Debo Samuel-esque wide receiver. He reminds me a lot by his uh, athletic profile of like Brandon Marshall or Anquan Bolden. Uh, even a Des Bryant, but LaVisca Chenault is remarkably more, uh, faster. What we have in LaVisca is this opportunity for a breakout candidate. He's already proving it. Right now, he's on pace for 700 yards and nine touchdowns, which is a great, great rookie season, especially those touchdown totals. But it also poises for a year two breakout. Among wide receivers who have finished with 700 plus yards as a rookie, there's a 63% chance of a breakout the following year. And we're watching it in live action. For instance, wide receivers like DK Metcalf, DJ Chark did it a couple of years ago, AJ Brown. We're seeing wide receivers with this athletic profile coming out and doing these remarkable things. LaVisca Chenault is going to be the next one. I mean, history's on his side. Stats are on his side. So I think LaVisca Chenault slides in here at the seventh overall pick in the first round if we could redo the draft today. Because he's proven that he can handle the workload. And he's proven that he knows that he can, he can create big plays with little opportunity. Now, the eighth overall pick I want to leave open for you. Who would you slide into the eighth pick? Are you raising up T. Higgins? Are you throwing in Jalen Rager? What about uh, Jerry Judy? Who are you sliding in here at eight? And what do you think about my list so far? Just a review. C.D. Lamb. Justin Jefferson. Joe Burrow. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor in at five, Justin Herbert at six, and LaVisca Chenault at seven. Who would you put in at eight? And let's keep the conversation going. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's pod. And uh, let me know what you think.